Good morning, NVC. So for those that don't know me, I'm George Georgiopoulos, and I currently serve as an elder here in our church. And my role today is really uh, to set the stage for the historic and unique service that we're going to have here today. Just a bit of background briefly. Uh, for the past two years, I've, been, I've had the honor of being the chairman of what's been known as the transition team. Many of you know have been through that process with us. And that was a team that was assembled to prayerfully oversee and ensure that the senior pastor transition went as smoothly as it possibly could. So the last two years of prayer and work and planning and ultimately the Lord's favor have brought us to this point here today. Today is a historic day in our nearly 80-year church history. We are celebrating the official installation of our new senior pastor here at MVC. And to put that into context for you, the last time an event such as this occurred was over 30 years ago in April of 1993. That was when pastor, senior pastor at the time, Bill Johnson, passed the torch to Pastor Pat Peglow. And God has surely shown his faithfulness to our church over these last three decades, hasn't he? He has used the ministry that he called Pastor Pat to in a mighty way. Pastor Pat, you have stayed true to God's word, and you've done it with grace. And I don't think we can possibly say it enough, but on behalf of our leadership, our staff, our entire church body, to Pastor Pat and to Kim, thank you for your ministry to us. This morning, God's faithfulness to our church is yet again on display as we get to witness the passing of the torch from Pastor Pat to our next senior pastor, the man that God has clearly given to us for such a time as this, Pastor Don Kaufman. So today, I'd like to invite you with us, to celebrate with us all that the Lord has done at MVC over the past decades. Would you pray with me as we prepare to celebrate this event today? Let's pray. Jesus, you've been so, you have been so faithful to us, God. 
Thank you, Lord, for the last 30 years of faithful service that we have had the pleasure of witnessing and experiencing from Pastor Pat as our pastor and Kim as his bride. Lord, it's been so steady, so solid, so steadfast that it's been easy to take for granted Pastor Pat's ministry over the years. But would you give us all a fresh understanding of what a gift Pastor Pat and Kim have truly been to our church? Lord, in just a few short years ago, we had no idea who you'd have for us. We were asking for your wisdom, for your clarity, and for your direction. And Father, not only did you deliver the exact pastor for us, you did it in such a way that we could not have written the script better ourselves. Lord, we're so grateful and we are so thankful to you for calling Pastor Don, his wife Ray, and his entire family to our church. Lord, I, I pray for him as he starts his ministry here. Lord, I pray for his marriage. Would you deepen them? Would you strengthen them as he starts his ministry here? God, I pray for their four boys that they would grow up to be warriors for Jesus, God, and they'd be discipled here as they embark on their journey. And Father, as it says in the book of Numbers, pray this for the Kaufman family, God. Would you bless them, Lord, and would you keep them? Would you, Father, shine your face upon the Kaufman family? Would you be gracious to them, God? Would you give them peace, Lord, that surpasses understanding that only comes from you? We thank you that we can celebrate this incredible moment together today with our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. I get the privilege to introduce our first speaker, and uh, I don't know anybody that had a more difficult time to get here today than this individual. They started in San Diego. We're in New York City yesterday. All flights were canceled. Got a text from last night, not sure I can make it. Uh, took a train to Washington, D.C., caught a flight early this morning and just got here as the service started. So, uh, it's my privilege to introduce to you Ted Vaughn, who has been a tremendous source of blessing and wisdom, both to me and to really the leadership Moraine Valley over the last four years. God has used Ted to consult us into a much greater internal health as a church. And he's the guy who actually counseled us and coached us through the process of finding the next senior pastor and vetting the next senior pastor. Ted's been, he's done this before, and he had a unique seat to watch our process. And Ted, why don't you come on up and just share with us what you saw, brother, from your unique seat. And let's give Ted a welcome. This guy worked hard to get here. Thank you. It is true I'm very tired, so forgive me. Uh, it's also true that uh, I've never really been uh, a speaking pastor, so this is all very odd and new. I already have cotton mouth. It's incredibly nerve-wracking for me. Uh, get me in a small room with anybody, I'm great, but this, this is hard. Um, so I spend my professional life helping churches uh, essentially navigate change, organizational change, change in multiple ways, um, and uh, it's rare that I have the privilege and honor to walk with a church for as long as I've walked with Moraine. Uh, typically as consultants, you know, we can be guilty of 
the old swoop and poop, right? We, we fly into an organization, we, we deposit something, hopefully it's good, and then we fly out, right? Seagull syndrome. And um, it's humbling to get to walk with one community for as long as I've gotten to walk with Moraine because you see the things that didn't necessarily work, but you also see the incredible fruit. And I get the privilege of uh, seeing that fruit come to days like today. So first of all, let me just say thank you for the honor, um, the, the privilege. Um, it's with great uh, weight that I, um, it's why I tried so hard to be here, because uh, this, this is an incredible moment, and I just am incredibly honored to uh, have this privilege. So, so thank you, thank you, Pat. Thank you, Dawn, for trusting me. Uh, Pat, I want to do two things. I want to share a little bit about this church from my lens. Uh, what I find is when you're really close to something, it's difficult to, to have accurate perspective. You, you're in the weeds. I see a lot of churches, and there's a lot about this church that you might not realize. And I just want to take this moment to remind you or to show you some of the things I see from my lens. Then I want to spend a little bit of time in Scripture. I have three charges for the leadership of this church in this setting with the congregation, and then I'll be done. I think I have a timer. No, there's no timer? Well, this could be dangerous, but um, I'll try and stay. I should, I should set a timer right now. Uh, first of all, here's my perspective on Moraine Valley Church. Number one, this is an inside-out church. What does that mean? Well, the opposite would be an outside-in church. I work with a lot of churches that put a ton of energy into what they look like on the outside, how they're experienced, their website, the writing on the wall, the colors. They put all their energy there. They, they have very little left to think about things like discipleship, orthodoxy, the teaching of God's word. What does it mean to be a multi-generational community? They're amazing on the outside, but sometimes the inside lacks the attention and energy to be the church that God's called them to be, but man, they look great. This is an inside-out church. Pat, this church has spent decades focused on what matters most. There's integrity, there's been consistency, there's been an incredible discipline to the Word of God and to teaching the Word of God. Do you have some areas of growth on the outside, your presentation to the world? Absolutely, but man, the inside, the core of this church is strong, solid, has integrity, and is incredibly consistent. And that is because Pat has led you in that and reflected that and been that kind of leader. And I wish I could say that was more common than it is. Number two. This church has a foundation worth building on. You have been incredibly responsible with your resources. You have a reputation in this community that is positive, that is endearing. I was at Starbucks last time I was here talking with some of the baristas, and they're like, I've heard of that church. Yeah, you know what? My buddy went nothing but positive whenever I ask around town when I'm here. And you've responded to God in meaningful ways, even ways that at times may have been counterintuitive to many of you. I wish I had points because I have three R's right there. You've been responsible with your resources, you have a great reputation, and you've responded to God in ways that I wish I saw more churches responding to God with. And then number three, I believe Moraine Valley Church is being prepared by God for something significant. I don't know what it is, I don't know when it will happen, 
Today is certainly evidence of that seed that is about to grow into something amazing. But I never see moments of succession take place as elegantly and smoothly as I've seen here. The way that God identified Dawn, the ordained path of him, of him coming in, being affirmed, it's so, it can be wonderful when you have a tough season of succession because you are reliant on Jesus. Sometimes you use a search firm and you go through months and months and months of vetting and candidates and after eight to nine, sometimes 14 months, you find somebody and you just pray to God the person you found is right. That has not been the case for your church. You have had this marvelous, providential, incredible gift of God in how Dawn has been identified and found. And you've had this incredible, humble man of God in Pat who has passed the baton to Dawn in a way that is all too rare. The amount of ego and narcissism in churches across America is unfortunately profound. And in this church, you have two leaders, two men of God, identified, called, brought together with a baton pass that just never happens. So this is a profound moment that is so odd. It's the only time in my career, after 12 years of doing this, that I've been a, a witness to something this incredible. So in light of all that God's doing here, in light of this wonderful moment with Dawn, let's spend some time in scripture. I have three charges for the leadership and for all of you, and then I will step off this stage and try and get some sleep. <laughs> Why don't we read these, this passage from Joshua? Just for context, um, in this passage, uh, God is giving a very personal exhortation to Joshua around courage for the, for the season ahead. Joshua needs this because there are about two million Israelites who are incredibly stressed out and anxious about what's next. Moses is no longer with them, and they're wondering what's going to happen. So Joshua has been identified, and now God is showing up and giving him this exhortation in a very intimate and personal way. So if you don't mind, let's read together out loud this passage. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions given to you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Yes, indeed, right? Perfect passage for today. So three charges I want to distill out of this passage for the leadership of Moraine Valley Church. First, resist the temptation to make idols from your past. I love how in this passage on the next slide, there's no long eulogy for Moses. Now, Pat has not passed away. Pat's still with us, thank God. But in this passage, Moses has died. And God essentially equips Joshua by saying, hey, it's your time. The old has gone. I'm making all things new. Let's go, right? God's mission is never dependent on what somebody has done in the past because God is the one doing it and calling and inviting. In this moment, it is so tempting for Israel to remember all the things Moses did and the things we used to do. And Israel had this problem of constantly looking backwards, and it became a barrier to their ability to move forward. I see that in church after church after church. We want church to be safe, secure, consistent. What we don't want is risk, change, But in today's world, if we're going to be on mission with Jesus, we have to get ready to take new risks, embrace new realities, and trust that God and his gospel will contextualize into a rapidly changing, kind of challenging reality, especially with an election cycle coming up, which is just going to be bananas. It's very tempting to look backwards to accidentally or intentionally make idols out of what Pat used to do, out of the way we did it. Well, we tried that 20 years ago. Leaders, allow for risk and change and new dynamics, just like Joshua experienced, because what got you to today will not get you where you need to go as a church. Pat is an amazing leader. He's one of the most humble, talented men of God I've ever worked with. But who Pat was is not what God is doing for the future. God is called Don. Next, charge. Actively pursue courage, clarity, and conflict. Now, my guess is that two of these are intuitive. Courage and clarity make abundant sense. But why is conflict there? So I love in this next passage that we just read, well, that's a Venn diagram. I love Venn diagrams. That's just a way to show you that they all, they're all related. In this passage, you see, be strong and very courageous. So courage, courage is not something we wait on. In this passage, the courage is a command. It's a call to action. It's a be courageous. We don't wait for courage to happen. Courage is given when we move, when we take action. Obey all the instructions. We have to have clarity on what it means to follow Jesus, on what it means to be men and women of the book, what it means to embrace the gospel. We have to have clarity on what God's doing in this church. And we do not want to turn to the right or to the left. Well, what happens in churches frequently is that they turn to the right or the left. How? because they fail to talk honestly about what they, as a leadership body, are discerning. Healthy conflict is how Jesus helps keep a church on the right path forward. No offense, Pat and Don, but some of the most self-deluded leaders in America are senior pastors. Why? Because they rarely get honest feedback. The healthiest thing you, as a leadership body, can do is engage in productive conflict 
rooted in clarity and courage. Go back to that Venn diagram for a second. If you have courage but not clarity, then you have courage to take risks that may or may not be right. If you have clarity but no conviction, then you just hunker down and study the Bible together, but we don't take any risks for the kingdom. If you have courage and clarity but aren't willing to engage in healthy conflict, you will stray to the right or left because you won't whisper the things or say the things that need to be said. Healthy churches, healthy organizations know what it means to have healthy conflict. Jesus shows up powerfully in places of tension. Blind agreement or just trusting the main guy is overrated and dangerous. My third charge to you as a church, to you as a leadership body, my computer is down. Ah, remain grounded in God's word and stay rooted in God's presence. I frequently work with churches that are unbelievably grounded in God's word, but they're not aware or tethered to what it means. They're not rooted in God's presence. We see in this passage that we read, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. Jesus is with us. It doesn't require a PhD in the minor prophets. It doesn't require, biblical literacy is really important. But if we have biblical literacy without formation by the person of Jesus encountering us, shaping us, and changing us, we lose. I would rather you be changed by Jesus and biblically less literate than brilliant biblically, but not spending time with Jesus, who at times has a way of messing with us. If you let Jesus in, trust me, he'll mess with you. That's what God's presence does. God's presence also keeps us strong and courageous, but in the process, he changes us. So you have to be grounded in biblical clarity and understanding, but also be rooted in God's presence. And if Dawn is not given permission to have space and time in his life to be rooted in God's presence, he will stray. If you as a leadership body are not spending time together discerning and listening and praying in and for the presence of God, you'll make bad decisions. Be grounded in God's word and be rooted in God's presence. Let me pray for you and for this moment. And then I think we're going to sing again. Is that right? I'm not going to sing, but somebody is. <laughs> Jesus, this is your church. These are your people. This is your community. These are your children. You care more about them than any of us ever could. And we are so humbled and thankful that you've called us, that you've invited us. You do not need us. You can accomplish your will without this church. You do not need Pat. You do not need Don. You do not need this church. But you've invited us to be a part of something way bigger than we could possibly imagine. May we have the courage to say yes. May we have the clarity to receive and understand what you're calling us to. And may all of us, but Dawn especially, be grounded and rooted in your presence. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God has been faithful, hasn't he? Amen. Amen. What an awesome day. 
Ted, thank you so much for sharing with us, uh, giving us a window from the outside on uh, how you see what God's doing. The next part of an installation service is a charge to the pastor himself, the new senior pastor. And um, it's my privilege to introduce to you the speaker this morning. I've known him as a friend for many years, was in a small group with him many years ago, know him as a man of God, but more importantly, he actually has been in a mentoring relationship with Don for the last five or six years as they met monthly to just talk about life and ministry. Pastor Don, Dan Goody, would you please come on up here, good brother? It's my honor to share with you today, but mostly it's my honor, Don, to talk to you. My heart is full for you as you respond to the call that has been extended to you by Moraine Valley Church to serve as our next senior pastor. I see God's hand in that too. And uh, we're excited for this moment. You have big shoes to fill. You step into a church with a wonderful history, a long legacy, and you follow in the footsteps of water walkers like Bill Johnson and Pat Peglow. So I want to say to you this morning that you need to remember that who they are and what they are remembered for as those who over the last 65 years have pastored this church came as a result of years of faithful ministry. What they are remembered for, who they are, is seen as a result of what God has done with them over time. And so I want you to be patient with yourself. And if I can go off script for just a minute and talk to you as the congregation of Moraine Valley Church, my charge to you would be patient with your new pastor. <laughs> be gracious with him, be forgiving of him because there will be times when he missteps. Treading water always comes before walking on water, except in the case of the Lord Jesus. So much could be said, so much should be said at a time like this. Some selection or summary of Paul's instructions, perhaps, from Timothy or Titus as he writes to them about what's involved in leading, being a leader in pastoral ministry, what it is to lead. So you might summarize it simply as saying, well, it's to love, loving God and loving people. It's about loving as the motive for all that you teach. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1, chapter 5, that the goal of our instruction is love. And then it's about loving people as much as you want to see them change. And that's a lifelong process for most of us. And then it's about setting an example in speech and life and love and faith and in purity, Paul writes to Timothy. Those are areas in which you set the pace. Pastoring a church is not all that different than parenting a kids. <laughs> um, takes a lot of grace, takes a lot of patience, takes a lot of time. And kids will not always do what you say, but they will almost always do what you do. 
And so it is with the congregation. They will follow your example. And then to be aware. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14, Do not neglect your gift, which was given through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Or put positively, pay attention. <laughs> uh, you need to be self-aware. You need to be world-aware. You need to be flock-aware. Aware of the condition and needs of your flock. In Proverbs 27, 23, it begins by saying, Be sure you know the condition of your flock. Paul said to the Ephesian elders, Keep watch over yourselves and of the flock of, over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of God's church, which he bought with his own blood. Your awareness of your calling your awareness of the circumstances in our world, your awareness of the needs and condition of your flock will determine where you lead and how you feed them and how it is that you provide for them and from whom you need to protect them as God's flock. Also, to do so, that is to lead, it means that you must be diligent. The next couple of verses in 1 Timothy 4 say, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Our focus at times like this is often on what you need to know or what you need to do. It's the reflection of what we know in our heads or what we do with our hands. But of greater importance than either of those is your heart. Because it's your heart that will inform both your head and your hands. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. For in the most recent edition of the New International Version, for everything you do flows out of it. So what should be the characteristics of your heart? Well, let me spell it out for you. First of all, letter H is to be holy, to be holy like God. Peter quoting God's statement found in Deuteronomy is that we are to be holy because he is holy. And then you're to be enthusiastic in God. Enthusiastic comes from a combination of two Greek words, in theos, literally in God. And I believe that uh, when we are in God and when God is in us, those phrases in Christ and Christ in you are used probably as much as anything else that the Apostle Paul said. And when that is true of you and that is seen in you, there'll be that evidence of that in you. And there'll be an expectation, an excitement, an exuberance that will be contagious. And then you need to be attentive to God. Like young Samuel saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Don't ever outgrow the wonder of the fact that God speaks to us. And then to be responsive to God. Because more than to hear from God, we must do what he says. The apostles, about the time that the church got launched and they were preaching the gospel message in, 
in Jerusalem got hauled in before the Sanhedrin and, and commanded not to teach, and they went out promptly and did it again and get hauled in again. It's kind of like, we told you guys, knock it off. And Peter's response is, so who are we to obey, God or human beings? And there will be people, Don, who will come and know God's will for your life. <laughs> um, they may even be religious people. Be sure you're listening to God and responding to him. And then you need to be true to God. There was a phase not too long ago that was about you be you, and it was all about our identity and our self-actualization and all of that. And I, I wondered all the way through that phase, what, where did Christians get sucked into that? When Jesus tells us that we're to be like him, when we're to be conformed to the image of Christ, it's not about be like Don. I know Don, and you're a really good guy. But, but you need to be like Jesus. Pick him over you, okay? You be, you be like Christ. Because that is the way that you demonstrate trustworthiness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, It is required of a steward that a man be found trustworthy. Or faithful. So be faithful for God. It's about your integrity. It's about your wholeness. It's about being true. So that's at least in part what it is to have a heart for God. But ministry also requires that you have a heart for people. And this is what we find modeled for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, the heart of a servant, Mark 10:45, that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To have the heart of a shepherd in John 10, he describes himself, Jesus does, as the good shepherd. And then Peter says, not unlike what Paul said to the Ephesian elders, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. And then you have to have the heart of a, shepherd, of a savior. You do not, you cannot save people. But the heart that longs for the salvation of people is the heart of compassion like Jesus had. It's a heart that weeps for the lost, a heart that watches for and works for and uh, walks with and waits for those who are lost to be found, for those who are wandering to return. It's the heart that shares the good news, the gospel. Finally, I'd be remiss in these remarks if I didn't remind you that there's some cautions related to your heart things of which you need to beware. Your heart can become crowded. So be careful about the things that form distractions that derail you from your first love. And your heart can grow cold, even in the midst of ministry that is effectively and efficiently and enthusiastically and excellently done. Your heart can grow cold. And it's the Word of God and it's prayer, and it's the Spirit of God that will always be about fanning into flame that which has been lit within you. And then your heart can be calloused. Most often this is the result of sin that remains unconfessed. It's a failure to respond to, to the conviction that comes from God's Word and God's Spirit. And then your heart can become conceited. There's nothing that God hates more than pride. Remember, 
as John the Baptist so aptly put it, a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. And it was our Lord Jesus that said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So let me say again Solomon's words from Proverbs 4. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We're excited for you, Don. We love you. We'll continue to pray for you. Well, the final part of an installation service is a charge to the congregation. We had Ted give us an outside perspective and Dan speak to the pastor of charge. I want to thank both of you for including the words about me I sent to you and asked you to say during your messages. So I appreciate those kind words and doing that for me. But I want to speak to the church that I've had the honor of leading for the last 30 years up until about five minutes ago. And uh, church, I love deeply. I love you guys. And you know what? I believe you are a very special, unique congregation. And there's a situation in scripture that's very similar to what was taking place today. David was transitioning his leadership to Solomon. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. And what had happened there is that David had gotten everything prepared and ready. He got the material, he got the money, he set the spiritual uh, temperature and led the nation in a walk with God that prepared them to build the temple and to flourish as a kingdom. You know what, Moraine Valley in many ways the last four years has been doing the same. I mean, we, we've addressed the debt by God's grace to you people. There's no debt at this time. We've been working on the building and thanks to our custodial staff and many volunteers in the body, we've addressed many things in the building. We've been working as a staff to help deepen our roots in Jesus and his word. And much like that time, we're coming prepared as well to hand off the baton to Don, much like David did to Solomon. And David called the people together and had a charge for them in that new relationship. And in 1 Chronicles verse, chapter 28, verse 8, he says this. So now, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, Observe and seek after all the commandments of the Lord your God so that you may possess the good land and bequeath it to your sons after you forever. Simple instruction. Obey all of God's commands. Matter of fact, he goes on and he qualifies. He says, seek after 
obeying all of God's commands. It's not just pass, yeah, we'll do it. No, he says go seek after. Get to know God's commands. Get to know his word. Put it in practice. Seek after building your lives and building your church off of the blueprint and the straight edge of God's word. That's what David told the nation of Israel, and that's what God's telling us today as a congregation. We need to actively seek after God's word, all his commands, and obey them all. And what he said, it'll go well for you, and it'll go well for your children. The New Testament has a similar instruction. You know, as I was studying this, I couldn't help but think of Hebrews chapter 13, as it says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Little transition. First one, obey God and all his commands. Now I say, obey your leaders. Obey, and he characterizes this one by submitting. Submitting means to joyfully place myself under to follow. And we as a congregation are called to joyfully submit to Don's leadership and place ourselves under that. And again, contrary to everyone, he said, you know, if you do follow all God's commands, it's going to go well for you and your children. He says, if you don't obey and submit to your leaders, that's not going to be profitable for you. That won't be good for you. And so the charge simply to us is this. Seek after obeying all of God's commands and joyfully submit to the leadership of Don. And we as a people will be blessed, and we as a church will be blessed. And I think there's two reasons we need to do this. The first one is this. I really believe, Ted, you said this earlier on, and that encourages me because you got that outside perspective, see a lot of churches. I think Moraine is on the brink of some unbelievable growth in the kingdom things of God. But it's not going to happen because we got a great new senior pastor, even though Don, you'll certainly be a part of that. It's going to happen we have an entire congregation that's seeking after obeying God and submitting and following joyfully the leadership that Don gives us. As I said, the last four years, with the help of Ted, our church has been working and preparing ourselves to be even more faithful to God's call and getting ourselves ready. And I think the time for growth is here. Much like when David prepared everything for Solomon, he took over, God exploded the kingdom under his reign. I don't know if you know how bamboo grows. There's a unique strain of bamboo in Malaysia that's grown by some farmers. It's a very valuable and profitable uh, bamboo. Matter of fact, people come from all over the world to ask these guys, how do you do this? What's the secret to this bamboo that you grow? And then they say, how long does it take? And they said, it takes about five years. You see, in the first year, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, they're working the soil to remove all the impurities and all the hindrances. And once the soil gets at a perfect consistency, 
Then they plant the seed, they water it, and they fertilize it, and at the end of year one, there's no visible growth. Year two, 24-7, they watch the moisture in the soil to make sure that the consistency of the moisture in the soil is just perfect. Get the end of year two, no visible growth. Year three, they go back to what they did in year one. 12 hours a day, seven days a week, they're working the soil, removing all the hindrances and impurities from growth. End of year three, no visible growth. Year four, they're back to what they did year two, 24-7, watching the moisture of the soil to make sure the consistency is perfect. But the end of year four, no growth, nothing visible. Year five, first 30 days, the bamboo grows 90 feet tall. The wisdom and the patience of those farmers paid off. What was happening those first four years? A root system was going deep into the soil that was strong enough to hold up a bamboo that's 90 feet tall. And I believe that Moraine Valley over the last four years has been building a root system deep within the, of Jesus and his word as a church that is, is in a place that I don't know how and when and what it looks like, but Jesus is going to do some amazing things in this church under the leadership of Don Kaufman. And I'm looking forward to that. But there's a second reason we need to obey all of God's commands and joyfully submit to Don's leadership, and this is this. I view Don like a scribe of the kingdom. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Matthew 13, 52, Jesus said this. Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. You see, Don's in a very unique place. Don has spent, ten, even though he's got like 18 years of ministry, he spent the last 10 years in a very uh, solid church, a group of churches called New Life here in the Chicago area. And he has learned and seen and been a part of some tremendous things. Now he's walking into Moraine Valley. And this is the danger for those of us that are here that have been a part of New Life. It's thinking, I can't wait until Don turns Moraine Valley into New Life in the way they did things. But here's the danger for you from Moraine Valley. To think, well, I can't wait till he falls in line and learns the way we do things here at Moraine and does it our way. You see, Don's in a very unique place. He's in a place where he can take the best of what he learned at New Life and the best of what he sees here at Moraine and put the two together and come up with a new, better one. There's going to be changes. Ted talked about this again. There's going to be changes, but they're going to be good changes and necessary changes. But Don, you're in such a unique place here for us. We all know Moraine's way. You're bringing in a whole different thing, and you get that. You can pull out of the old, you can bring the new, and you can put the two together and give us something that's better than either. And I believe that's what's going to happen at Moraine under Don's leadership. 
but it's going to take us seeking after all of God's commands and obeying them. That'll help us be a healthy community. And it's going to take us joyfully placing ourselves under Don's leadership and the leadership of Moraine Valley and their leaders. And God's going to do wonderful things. Mike, would you come up? Because as we commit ourselves with not only our hearts but our hands to be that kind of people, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Well, just as we charge Don, it's, this is our turn. Uh, so I'd like to, if you're able, I'd like to invite us all to stand together. This is a historic moment for us as a people, and it's so exciting to be a part of it. But what makes it awesome is when we all say yes and step into it. And so I will read all these charges together, uh, and then at the very end we'll give a resounding I will if you're able to say that with us. And so, will you, Moraine Valley Church, pursue obeying all that God calls us to do in his word? Will you commit to joyfully submitting to the leadership and the changes that Don and the MVC leadership propose? Will you commit to loving your pastor, praying for him, honoring him as one of who labors in the word and the work of the Lord for the good of your soul and recognize him as a shepherd God has given us to MVC? Will you commit to laying aside your personal preferences in order to strive for the unity of Moraine Valley Church, desiring with all your actions to build up the body? And will you commit to the mission of Moraine Valley Church and giving sacrificially of your time, resources, and energy to the work of Moraine Valley Church, employing your spiritual gifts for the edification of MVC and the exaltation of Jesus Christ? If so, please say, we will. Yeah. Joel uh, Brassfield, if you'd like to come to pray for us. Remain standing if you can. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I'm looking out at everyone here. This is amazing. Uh, I don't know about you, but my heart is overflowed <laughs> already. And so would you, if you're able, just open your hands in a posture of receiving. And I just want to bless you in the name of our God. And if you are part of Moraine or if you're just visitor, please receive this blessing. If you are in Christ, this is for you. I just want to bless you in the name of our Father God. He's the only true God. He is sovereign Lord. He's creator. He's good. And he has drawn you to himself for the purpose of knowing you and for you to know him. And he's called his son Jesus to be the means by which you are redeemed the Messiah, the promised one. He has come in flesh. He's died on the cross as our substitute. He has paid the price of our redemption through his blood and by faith in him. He has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. In him, you are washed, you are clean, you are chosen before the foundation of the earth to be holy and blameless in his presence. He's adopted you into his family. 
You are the sons and daughters of the king. That makes you a prince and a princess. That's who you are. He's forgiven you all of your sins and your trespasses. And he says you are accepted in the beloved. And he sealed you with him, his very spirit, the Holy Spirit. You are filled with him. You are sealed with him until the day of redemption, the day when he calls us home to be with him for eternity. May you know who you are. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And may you and I walk as children of light, being filled and empowered and strengthened and encouraged by the Spirit who is ours forever. And may we, as the body of Christ, whether here at Moraine or other churches, may we speak the name of Jesus, lift him high, live lives of obedience, submitting to the Spirit and the Word and our leadership and Pastor Don joyfully. May God bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so just go ahead and stay on your feet for a second. And I want you to put your hands together and blow the roof off for our new senior pastor, Don Coffin. Come on up here, brother. That's enough. All right. No. I, uh, man, just for the sake of the moms in the room, this will be very quick. All right. Um, but, uh, but man, I, I think leading up today, uh, a couple of things that have been reminders is just uh, the faithfulness of God. I think singing it often enough sounds like it's been on God's mind as well for us. Uh, I think, and I hope for us, we can view some of these things in this way. I think it's been helpful for me over the last couple of weeks to think through. Uh, just even my own family, and uh, God works through generations, he always has, uh, and so thinking through uh, different lines of my family, names that, that you would never know, names I don't even know, uh, that have come through uh, names with the last name like Tertel and Nika, uh, Kaufman and Luby, uh, names like uh, Stuart and Young from Ray's family. Uh, in my step-parents, I have names like Phillips and Beard uh, that have formed and shaped generations of people that have landed uh, our lives uh, in this place. And Moraine Valley, in a lot of ways, has had same names in your own families that have developed this community of faith. And you've had leaders uh, like Bill Johnson and Pat Peglow, who have shaped and molded and moved us through 
Uh, but that's not where our confidence comes from. Our confidence comes from Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, his faithfulness uh, is what we're clinging to as we move forward, not who we are and what we've done, not the ministries and lives that have built this church, uh, but the God who gave his life for this church. Uh, and so as we move forward, uh, our family is super excited uh, that we get to uh, live church life with you, uh, that we get to do uh, ministry in the community with you, uh, that we get to watch. Uh, it's fun to think you guys will help raise our kids with us. Uh, in some ways, we hope to do the same for you and your family. Uh, and, uh, and so I just wanted to be able to say uh, on behalf of Ray and I and our families, uh, we are so thankful for Rain Valley Church. Uh, we're so thankful for Pat and Kim. Uh, for Mike, Josh, our staff, uh, the elders, deacons, Ted, Dan, that was incredible. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for, for what you mean to us already uh, and decades down the road what you will have meant for us in that time. Uh, and so if you will, I'll, I'll, I'll pray us out quickly. Uh, I won't mention it in the prayer, but the Lord knows we're praying that we get to cheer as loud at the end of the Bears game as what we did at the end of the service, all right? So there it is. All right, let me, let me pray over us and then we will uh, we'll go. Lord Jesus, we are thankful. Uh, we are humbled uh, at, at the reminder of your faithfulness in our life. Father, we're thankful uh, that, uh, that because of you, uh, that, that for generations of people raising children, of people uh, walking through and imparting their lives, people sharing the gospel that's crossed continents and oceans and language barriers and cultures, uh, Father, for us to be in this room, being so thankful for what's been behind, uh, being so excited for what lies ahead, and Father, we know uh, our excitement lands uh, in your faithfulness, and we, we can trust in that when we can't trust in anything else. So Father, we're grateful for who you are, we're thankful for what you've done, it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.